This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent his own son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. There are tall tales, fables, and myths more believable than this. If you had to write a fairy tale story about a Savior's birth, I'm not sure you could dream up something more wild and unimaginable than this. Nothing makes sense. God goes silent on his people for some 500 years. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, this angel named Gabriel appears three times in six months, first to Zechariah about John the Baptist, then to Mary, and shortly after, to Joseph. And if you were writing the story about a Savior, and you were picking the parents, would you not choose a a prince or princess instead of a pauper, the, the prosperous instead of the poor? Wouldn't you pick Jerusalem, the city of David, or Caesarea, where the Roman governor lived? Then the Savior would have sure safety and comfortability. He would be a notable and a noble family. The Savior would have a a head start on everyone else and on his mission here on earth. But no, a carpenter? A carpenter pledged to be married to a young maiden about the age of most of the sophomores I teach in high school? 
And from Nazareth? <laughs> Did you know Nazareth isn't even mentioned in the entire Old Testament? And yet here comes the angel Gabriel with these words. Greetings, you who are highly favored, a word that means to show grace toward. The Lord is with you. Mary, highly favored, the Lord is with her. Why her? What has she done that's so great? It's no surprise that Luke reports this. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Well, yeah, she gets it. Of course she's confused and perplexed. Me? Why me? What's going on here? Am I in trouble with the Lord or something? But the angel keeps on talking. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. There's that word favor or grace again. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now hold on here. This child is going to be the king of all kings from the line of the great King David, and his kingdom will never end. And this child is going to be the son of God and born of Mary, a low-class teen from Nazareth. And while she's still a virgin, that's about as crazy as the Greek people saying that the goddess Athena sprouted forth and was born from the forehead of Zeus. I mean, come on. It would seem as if Mary is perhaps right there with us. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Gabriel keeps talking. The, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Now, wait a second. So now her relative, who is barren, Elizabeth, is suddenly pregnant too? And this child is not going to be the child of Joseph, but is going to be some immaculate, miraculous conception from God. And so this child will be not only a son of man, but the son of God too. We might want to repeat with Mary the question, how will this be? How will this be? It seems to be a question far too often on the minds of God's people. How will this be? Psalm 37 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do it. Oh, really? Well, I've been trusting, and I've been committing my way to the Lord quite a bit. And I'll tell you, my way has not exactly turned out my way recently. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Well, how am I supposed to do that? 
when the ground beneath me is cracking and everything around me is crumbling? How am I supposed to know that he is God when he hasn't exactly been showing it lately? Jesus said, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Is that so, Lord? Because it sure seems to me like this world is pretty godless and my life is pretty helpless and my heart feels pretty hopeless. God says that all things work together for the good of those who love him. Good. Have you read the news, Lord? Have you seen how awful my job is? Do you hear how my boss talks to me? Do you see how my kids speak to me? Have you seen my marriage? Do you know what I went through this last year? Have you seen how much I suffer? Good. And then I come here and I hear the pastors talk about God's love and, and God's forgiveness. Really, for me, with all the questions that I have, with all the doubts running through my mind, with all of those secret sins, really? And so very quickly, we want to take Mary's inquisitive, how will this be? And shout from the rooftops, no, not how will this be. This can't be. This was Satan's first trick, wasn't it? Did God really say, he asked Eve, are you sure that's what God said? Are you sure that's what God will really do? Are you sure God's not holding back something from you? Oh, and she believed it. They both believed it. Adam and Eve, they bought and bit that lie. And now all people, you and I included, all people have inherited a sinful nature from them and through our parents. Every single one of us has a sinful flesh that wants to keep asking, how will this be? It's the sinful heart that wants to doubt God and question God and push God away. And Satan is all too pleased when our internal reasoning and logic outputs external rebellion against God. I think often we want to run back in time and stand next to Mary and say, me, why me? I'm a nothing like Mary from Nazareth. Why would God show me favor? Why would God show me grace? Why would God be with me? None of this makes sense at all. How will this be? Friends, listen to the encouragement from your God today through his messenger, Gabriel. Do not be afraid. And then listen one more time to an encouragement from your God through Gabriel that I have not reread yet. And that's in verse 37. The angel Gabriel closed by saying this For no word from God will ever fail. Literally, that sentence says, No thing, no word is impossible with God. No plan, no promise, no word from God ever has or ever will fail. And if you're still not sure about that, 
And if you're still battling your sinful flesh every day like I am, and if you still have questions of how will this be swirling through your brain frequently, well, then come back later today and come back tomorrow morning. Come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come and see that the virgin did give birth to a child, just as was foretold, that it was an immaculate and miraculous conception and birth possible only by God alone. Come and see the baby lying in the manger in real human flesh, but also really the Son of God. And if then you're still not sure, and you still have questions, well, then keep coming back. Come back the next few weeks and the next few months and just watch. Watch as that child grows in the wisdom and stature of the Lord God Almighty. Watch his zeal for his father's house. Watch him live in gentleness and humility and with love and compassion for, for all people. Watch as he defeats every human test and trap and crushes every temptation from Satan. Watch him live with a righteousness that is only possible for God himself to accomplish. And if over the next few months you think to yourself, well, I guess Jesus is pretty special, but I, I still don't know about these promises that God is speaking to me, well, then I suggest you keep coming back. Because there are still so many promises for us to see and behold and see fulfilled Today, Bethlehem is only the beginning. It's Calvary that is the conclusion. And so if today and tomorrow morning you're going to wonder at the wooden manger, then please, by all means, come back to wonder at the wooden cross. Because there you will see this sinless Son of God take up all of your confusion and questions all of your doubts and despair, all of your guilt, all of your sin and shame onto himself. There on the cross, you will see why he was given today this name, Jesus, the Lord saves, or the Lord is salvation, because God kept his promise to send a Savior who would save his people from their sins. And even after that, if you're still not sure, if you still aren't sure it's true, if you're still not sure it's for you, well, well, I suppose you better keep coming back two days later. Because on Easter Sunday, you will see an empty tomb, which proves that every promise of God has been fulfilled. Even the very first one in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve thousands of years before, the empty tomb proves that Satan has been crushed and death has been defeated the empty tomb shows why he's going to sit on his throne to reign and rule forever and ever, and his kingdom will never end. The empty tomb shows living and breathing proof that because he lives, you also will live. No plan, no promise, no word from God ever has or ever will fail. There are hundreds of prophecies over thousands of years perfectly and precisely, precisely all fulfilled in Jesus. 
a Savior lying in a manger, a Savior dying on a cross, and a Savior rising from the dead are all the proof we would ever need that this is in fact real and true and for you. And so, when you have many divergent paths before you, and you aren't sure what to do, or what choice to make, or if any choice is right at all, you can commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do it, because you know no word from God will ever fail. And when you feel like the ground beneath you is cracking and everything around you is crumbling, you can be still and know that he is God. He made the wind and the waves. He's calmed the wind and the waves. He calmed the storm in your soul. He can calm the storms of your life too. You can know that he is God and you can be still because no word from God will ever fail. And when you feel lonely, when you feel helpless or like life is hopeless, you can remember that Jesus said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And because you've seen a manger and a cross and an empty tomb with a living Savior outside of it, you can know that he is in fact with you always because no word from God will ever fail. And when your marriage is a mess and your kids are crazy and your job is a pain and tragedy and trauma are too much to bear, you can know that you can do all things through him who gives you strength and that all things work for the good of those who love him. After all, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things. Because no word from God will ever fail. And when your heart is heavy and the guilt is grievous and the sin is shameful, you can remember that, that you were washed, that you were claimed at the font with more words as you were marked in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you can come right here and receive into your hands and into your mouth real bread and wine with real body and blood and hear more words given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And you can breathe a sigh of relief and depart in peace knowing no word from God will ever fail. Don't you see it's never been about you the whole plan of salvation, the whole story of Jesus coming into this world, the whole story of Jesus coming into your life personally, it's never been about your thoughts, your plans, your logic, your reason, your words. It's always been God's plan, God's strength, God's promises, God's word, so that from the very beginning to the very end, it is by grace alone. There is nothing you can think or say or do or achieve or even bring to the table and the incredible thing, the incredible thing is that a young teen from Nazareth 
knew that. Her question was really not one of doubt, how will this be? And why do we know that? When Gabriel said, no word from God will ever fail, her simple response of faith was this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And so one day, one day you will close your eyes in sleep forever. And you will open your eyes to see the Lord God himself sitting on his throne forever and ever. And your heart, like Mary, like Mary, it may be troubled and perplexed. Me, little old me from Milwaukee here in heaven? But you'll hear more words. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you may begin to wonder, well, how can this be? But then you'll remember a manger, a cross, and a tomb. No word from God will ever fail. And so at that time, there will be only one thing left to say. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.